Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Hi, and thank you for joining me here inside of episode number 259 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Apologize for taking a couple weeks off. Just can't even, even if I wanted to, cannot even begin to tell you how much we have going on behind the scenes here at EssentialTennis.com. A lot is developing. We're doing a lot of new things, a lot of new ways, and we're creating more and more content than we ever have before. So just a lot of uh, things to manage here. And as a result, the podcast sometimes get, gets put on the back burner. Sorry for that, but I think today's episode is going to be extremely helpful to many of you out there. And it's going to be kind of a two-part series uh, a little bit. Uh, today's question is a really excellent one from a listener. And then the next episode, hopefully will be released a week from now, episode 260, is going to kind of piggyback off of this topic and give a critical piece of the pie, kind of uh, to paint in the full picture of what we'll be talking about today. And both episodes combined really kind of lay out in detail the instructional process or, or methodology that I've been working hard to try to develop over the last several years. And if you've been watching our YouTube content recently, then you've seen me doing this on courts with some of our private students. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to us on YouTube, strongly recommend you do that. Essential, uh, I'm sorry, youtube.com slash essential tennis. And we've been publishing a lot of videos recently of, of us working with students and it's totally unscripted. Uh, there's no like set up beforehand students come out to work with us the whole thing is recorded and then we're, we're starting to publish content that shows the step-by-step -step process that we're using to help students improve and so this episode and the one after it of the podcast i really for the first time i've set, sat down and started to actually write out those steps and uh, kind of try to organize it in my own head and on paper, which, is, which has been helpful to me. And I hope that it's going to be very helpful to you as well. So uh, today's topic was really uh, triggered by a question, just a general email question from Nicholas. And I, I wrote him back and asked if I could use it in the podcast. And uh, thanks for agreeing to that, Nicholas. Oh, by the way, before I get to uh, today's uh, topic, I want to dedicate this episode to Weeks Hall on iTunes, who uh, left the most recent uh, review of the Essential Tennis podcast on the iTunes Music Store. Weeks Hall, thank you so much. Appreciate your review and glad to hear that these episodes have been helpful to you. So uh, from Nicholas, I've recently purchased the Serve Mechanic online course and really enjoyed the content as well as its structure. It really convinced me to start videotaping my technique and address its flaws. Nicholas, I'm proud of you. Good. <laughs> so happy to hear that. I see that everything about my serve is broken. Not that I had any doubts, but I now have it on tape. Over the weekend, I've tried fixing a few things only to realize that I would completely freeze when it came to hitting the ball. There was just too much to think about, and I would completely forget to go after the ball, obviously ruining not only my rhythm, but the entire shot. 
I now get a better idea why this was happening after listening to your podcast, Walking in Chewing Gum, this morning. But I'm now left with a question. How should I prioritize what I'm working on? I would definitely not be able to fix everything um, in just a matter of a few days, and I'll be playing some league matches starting next week. This means I can't put everything aside and dedicate the next few weeks to my serve. Um, I'll have to hit some weak and broken serves all while working on it. So to rephrase slightly, how do you think I should go about incrementally fixing my serve, which requires a lot of work, all while playing matches at least once a week? Thanks in advance for your response. Okay. So Nicholas brings up a really, really good point. And first of all, let me reiterate, uh, Nicholas Super happy for you and proud of you that you decided to take the plunge and actually go through with recording yourself so that you can see what you're actually doing in reality. No more relying on internal perception or guessing what you're doing. Now you know for sure. And so this is a step that most players never never take and quite frankly, most coaches never take with their students, which is very frustrating to me. Uh, I'm really, really happy that you did. So, so kudos to you. Now, as you have uh, noticed, there's a lot of things to work on. You can't do them all at once. Glad you listened to that podcast. And so, I'm going to get right into now what I recommend. How you, how, how I recommend that you approach doing what it is that you're trying to do, which is figure out how you now you have all these different things in your head that you could work on how do we decide what to work on and in what order and how do we do it what i'm about to tell you is literally the step-by-step process that i follow with my own private students and really is kind of the backbone of the methodology that we follow here at essential tennis so first and foremost we must understand the four phases of learning. And if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you've probably heard me talk about this before. Um, It's been discussed in many episodes of the podcast, so I'm not going to go into depth on this. I'm just going to go over it quickly. Uh, So bear with me for just a second if you've heard this already. So there's four phases of learning any skill or discipline, uh, any any kind of uh, thing like tennis or driving a car or learning how to do anything, play basketball, shoot a basketball. The four phases of learning are phase number one, unconsciously incompetent. So that means that you're not aware of what you're doing. You don't know what you don't know and you you can't do it. You cannot execute it correctly. Phase two is being consciously incompetent. This is the next step towards mastering anything, any skill. And this simply means that now you've gathered some information, you have some knowledge, maybe you took a lesson, and so you understand what it is that you're trying to do, but you still can't do it. You're still incompetent, but you have some conscious awareness. Step three is conscious competence. So now you you still have that knowledge, but you've you've taken the step forwards of now being able to execute correctly, but only while being consciously aware of what it is that you're doing. And the fourth and final phase is unconsciously competent. So you've executed that consciously competent skill enough times and with enough focus and purpose that it it has become an unconscious habit. And that cycle repeats over and over again for every part of every, for every little detail of every individual part of your game, you must go through those four phases in order to actually master anything. And uh, 
Nicholas was talking about walking and chewing gum, the uh, the statement in that episode that I made was, if um, if walking and chewing gum weren't their own independent unconscious habits that you've de- developed over thousands of repetitions, I mean walking for millions of repetitions, if they weren't already trained unconscious habits, then you literally couldn't do both at the same time. You wouldn't be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. It's a, in case you're not familiar, it's kind of a common uh, kind of idiom. Uh, I don't know if that's the right usage or not. But it's kind of a common phrase people use to make fun of themselves, say, oh, I'm, I'm so uncoordinated, I, or he, he's so uncoordinated, she's so uncoordinated, uh, he can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. Well, if they weren't trained habits, you literally could not. And so when we're trying to, let's say, change the grip on your serve while working on your racket drop at the same time, you can't do both at the same time. It's literally impossible. Now, how do we, how do we move through those four phases of learning in a systematic way that makes it possible to actually move different skills through those four different phases? Well, first of all, Nicholas and everybody else listening, please understand that in match play, you want to walk onto the match play courts, ideally utilizing only unconsciously competent tools and techniques. Unconsciously competent, remember, is the final phase of learning. So ideally, you want to rely and fall back on those things that you've already developed as a habit. You don't want to pull in skills that you're actively working on and trying to uh, develop and, and trying to make as kind of cemented in parts of your game. A few consciously competent elements here and there are fine. That's the step before unconsciously competent, meaning you can execute it correctly, but only while actually thinking about it and uh, being aware and conscious of how to do it correctly. But I strongly recommend that you don't bring in any more than one of those per stroke. Otherwise, you run right into the walking and chewing gum paradox. Multiple things on your forehand, multiple things on your backhand, multiple things on your serve that you're, you're trying to fix or change or develop all at the same time means that you're inevitably only going to do one at a time. And then you remind yourself about the other one. And it's a crazy merry-go-round of uh, reminding yourself. And meanwhile, the match is over and you've just been focused on yourself and not your opponent, which is what you should be focused on to try to make sound tactical uh, decisions to actually try to win the match. This is a mistake that a lot of players make is they're very internally focused, completely forget about what's going on around them, and as a result, lose many matches while they're trying to fix their game actively during a match. And that's, you will never ever play uh, the quality of tennis that you're capable of while, while trying to do that. So how do we prioritize? How do we actually prioritize what to work on. Because if we take a close look at each of our strokes, we will find multiple things that are wrong. So how do we decide what to focus on and how do we do it? Well, I've got five steps for you. Five steps. Step number one, make a list of all the flaws you see that need fixing. And it's probably a lot of things, especially with a a complicated motion like the serve. So that's step one, make a list of the things that you see using third-person awareness, meaning video, or get a coach that you really trust his or her eyes to make that list for you. Step number two, choose the one element that is most foundational. What does foundational mean? It means 
the one thing that everything else relies on on top of it. So again, the most foundational elements, uh, and when I, when I say element, I'm talking about things that you identify that are wrong with any uh, given technique, forehand, serve, backhand, whatever. You want to identify the one biggest thing that if you fixed it, everything else on top of it would also be improved. Now, frequently, I, I can't tell you what that is for you on any given stroke, but frequently the biggest uh, elements that need fixing have to do with using bigger parts of the body instead of smaller ones, aka, use, AKA using the kinetic chain better, or it has to do with tension, uh, too much tension or rigidity uh, in, in the body, or maybe a, a grip change. Something that went wrong, went off, negatively influences everything else about that stroke's technique. Now, this is where uh, really the artistry of coaching comes into play and where it's really helpful to have a wise, experienced set of eyes watching you because an experienced coach can see the big picture for whatever the stroke is that you're working on, your forehand, your serve, or whatever, and see all the uh, instantaneously, you know, virtually, instantaneously, see all the different mistakes that you're making and be able to wisely, based on experience, pick the one most important thing that is going to make the biggest impact and also help the rest of those other elements fall into place that much easier. A good coach can see the full context of kind of everywhere, every place you've been in terms of your level and development before where you are now and where you're going and where your current roadblocks Uh, kind of fall in the grand scheme of things. And that's very, very valuable. So you don't waste time focusing on things that, A, don't make much of a difference, or uh, B, uh, are just not the thing that... it's going to make the biggest impact on your game long-term or short-term. You suffer both in the short-term and in the long-term by focusing on the wrong things. So that's step number two. Choose the one thing about that stroke that's most foundational. Step three, create a sequence of at least four progressions to work on that element. And that sequence should start from the most basic, most aware, controlled expression of whatever that thing it is, whatever that element is, whatever the, the changes you're trying to make in that stroke or in that movement pattern. Start with the, the most basic, slow, relaxed way of expressing or uh, moving through that movement pattern. That's, that's step one in your four, uh, step, four progressions. And by the way, at least four progressions. Sometimes it takes more than that. And in the next episode of the podcast, I'll, I'll go more in depth on this. Uh, but uh, a good example of a first progression would be really slow, relaxed shadow swings. And by really slow, I mean like 5% speed, swing speed. So you can be very aware and conscious and controlled of everything that your body is doing. That's the whole point of, of uh, starting with these progressions should be awareness. And then progress step by step until you get to full execution of the new technique it's critical, I'd use the number four on purpose. Two progressions is not enough. Three progressions, if you're really uh, uh, physically aware and um, uh, you've, you maybe have developed you know, athletic skills in other uh, sports or you're already pretty advanced as a tennis player, maybe you can get away with uh, three progressions. Two, sk- jumping from uh, like slow shadow swings right to full expression of the new skill is almost 
I can virtually guarantee it will not be enough. There needs to be a progressive approach to building the awareness of that new movement. And again, in the next episode of the podcast, I'm going to really go into a lot of detail on this. So uh, so look for that. But for now, suffice it to say, do not go from shadow, slow, you know, relaxed, calm shadow swings right into just hitting full swings. It's not going to work. That's step number three. Cr- create a sequence of at least four progressions to work on that element. Step number four is work those progressions with the utmost awareness and discipline. What do I mean by that? Awareness means knowing what you're actually doing. Don't guess whether or not you're doing it right or say, oh, wow, that feels good. That must be right. You must check yourself. You must use video or else I promise you, you will not be executing at some point along the way. You will not be executing what you think you are. So you must have a high level of awareness and a high level of discipline. Discipline means only moving forward when you can execute a progression with competence. So if you're on progression two, and you do it just a couple of times, you're like, oh yeah, I got that. And you go right to progression three without really being sure of your ability, your competence to do that step, then you will find yourself um, plateauing very quickly. You'll find yourself back at square one very quickly if you rush through those uh, progressions. Step five, rinse and repeat for the, mo- for the next most fundamental elements. So again, Five steps. Step one, make a list of all the flaws you see. Step two, choose the one element that's most foundational to success. Step three, create a sequence of at least four progressions to work on that one element. Step four, work those progressions with the utmost awareness and discipline. And step five, rinse and repeat once you can fully execute at full speed that new movement pattern or that new technique. Then move on to the next most fundamental element for that stroke. That is what I do with my students. And this is a process that I've been working on for for many years now. I believe very strongly in it. I feel like I'm just starting to really kind of get good at executing this. And uh, it's something that I think, frankly, is missing in the world of, of tennis coaching. There's too many, too many directives, too many tips, too many cliches just being thrown around, and there's no actual awareness. There's no actual process. There are no, uh, there's no progressive approach, especially when it comes to amateur athletes. And I put myself in that in that category. I'm not a professional athlete. I'm a, I'm a well above average tennis player, but I'm not a professional athlete. When it comes to amateur athletes, without the awareness, without the progressions, without the the systematic approach, the chances of actually changing habits are very, 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 very low. There must be a systematic approach like this. Otherwise, the player will just slide right back to what he or she is used to. And that means no improvement. So hopefully this is helpful to you. One other kind of quick thing, Nicholas. Nicholas, you heard in the, as I was reading his question, very concerned about his performance during the matches. He's, he, and he said, I, I need to be able to play well. I'm, I'm playing at least one match a week. Is it possible to commit to the process that I just talked about and play a weekly match without sacrificing performance? The answer is no. 
it's not possible. And Nicholas, you have to decide what is more important to you, your immediate performance right now in the short term or your long-term development. I talk about this in depth in episode number 254 of the pod of the Essential Tennis Podcast called How to Prepare for a Tennis Tournament. So Nicholas, if you haven't heard that episode already, strongly recommend you listen to it or re-listen to it. You can have one or the other. You can, uh, you can uh, clear your mind of all the things you're working on and just focus on just the here and now, uh, which means that you're going to use all the tools and the habits that you currently are equipped with, or you can leave your comfort zone and follow a developmental process like what I just talked about, which at its core means leaving what you're used to, leaving your current habit, which means at first it's very possible, very likely that your performance will drop at first before you develop that competency and especially unconscious competency in executing whatever that new and better movement is. Nicholas, I hope this is helpful to you. The rest of you listening, hope this is helpful. And um, quite frankly, I hope you appreciate that I'm just putting this out there. And, uh, you know, this is kind of what I, is kind of really at the core of uh, my instructional method and process and approach. And, uh, I want to put it out there because I want, honestly, I want to help the state of tennis instruction. Uh, and uh, I, I think this will help you if you're self-coaching yourself, uh, self-guiding uh, your own development as a player. If you're a coach, then hopefully this is really helpful to you and uh, you're able to use this to, to get better results with your students. Either way, I'd honestly, I'd really like to hear about it. Let me know uh, if this uh, approach is helpful to you and make sure that you don't miss episode number 260 in which I'm going to kind of continue from where we're leaving off right now and give you more ideas when it comes to those four progressions, uh, four or more, uh, depending on where you are with your skills. So in the meantime, if you found this helpful, do me a favor and tell somebody about it. Uh, tell a teammate, a hitting partner, a coach, a teaching pro, uh, other players on your team. Let somebody else know about the Essential Tennis Podcast. I appreciate that very much. And if you have a few minutes, uh, please leave the podcast a review on the iTunes Music Store. I would appreciate that as well. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.